Bring it in. Read option episode 79. I know that's a really random number that doesn't have much significance, but I still found it interesting and uh, thought I would lead the show with that. 79. We are coming up on our one year anniversary of the pod, which is fantastic news. And that pod's going to be a ton of fun to do. Uh, and we had Vito on Tuesday. Great pod. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to it break down the national championship game and uh, talk a little bit, at least the first segment, the first 30 minutes is worth watching. But today, no veto. Instead, he's replaced by the one and only Scotty Miller. So, Scotty, yeah. I mean, how long has it it's been a few weeks since you've been on the it's, pod? Bro. Uh, yeah, since pre-Christmas, pre-Christmas. Pre-Christmas. Uh, BC, before Christ's Mass. Yeah, that's yeah. when it, uh, the last time I was on. Um how were your holidays? <laughs> I, I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, I mean, at least like in this context, we I mean, we text almost daily, if not daily. You know, there seems to always be something going on in our group chat um, between you, me, and Vito. But no, man, things were good. Holidays were good. It was great going home. And uh, I know you had some travels and some some bad luck, obviously, as Omicron kind of took over the, the country right around Christmas time. Um, and you were out on the West Coast uh, with uh, with your mom to, to be able to see some some Christmas at least. But um, yeah, how was all that for you, man? Uh, wild. I didn't really didn't do anything. <laughs> Everything was either closed or uh, uh, due to COVID or the holidays. And I, I had a, a scare in my family, which prevented us from having our Christmas. So it, it was it was just a wild trip. I just was like, oh, I'm here in uh, in San Francisco. So uh, I did uh, have a good time, though, with uh, the family I did see. So uh, glad everyone is now safe. And uh, traveling was weird, though. Uh, I don't recommend it <laughs> at this point. But uh, but yeah, it was it was a good time. And I mean, uh, I haven't I haven't had to fly since my sophomore year of college anyway. But I can't imagine flying during a pandemic and how stressful it would get. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what was weird, though, uh, just from a day to day standpoint, I, I had forgotten about the uh, the time difference for a little bit. And I was sitting there the Sunday morning after Christmas, the day after Christmas on the 26th. And uh, all of a sudden I'm sitting there eating my breakfast, drinking my coffee. And I go, oh, shit, that zone's on at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Man, I mean, that's so, uh, now, would you prefer? Because I've always had the take that I think Central Time is the perfect, perfect time to start. Yeah, yeah. Not I'm up starting until to agree with one you. in the morning or midnight. You know, and I think the West Coast. I mean, it's nice that you're done by like nine p.m., but like nine a.m. to nine p.m. That just seems, you know, because then, but that's your whole day. Like, there's no space for anything other than football. Yeah. At least on Sundays, you can get up. You have a little bit of a morning. You can go run an errand and go get food, whatever you need. And then, but central time, you kind of get the best of both worlds because now you're also not going to be up until midnight and exhausted on Monday morning. Yeah, uh, I, I'm in agreement with you there because it was weird it being on that early. And then by the time, you know, first of all, it was dark outside. And by the time five o'clock rolled around 530, I was sitting there at the bar like, oh, now the night game's on. And usually I'm like, well, halftime of the night game is when I usually go to bed on Sundays or head toward it 
uh, while I have the game on my phone. And, and you still um, had a whole night ahead of you. And I had the whole night ahead of me. It was weird, man. It was weird. Don't recommend. <laughs> yeah, I think if you live out there, you just kind of obviously like you get adjusted to it. But I still think I think the central time zone or maybe even the what's the what's the mountain is a mountain time mountain. Like, yeah. Yeah. Colorado. There's like five states that are in mountain time. Uh, mountain time seems like it'd be pretty good because I guess your kickoff would be what then? 11 a.m. Yeah. I mean, that's not bad. You can at least get a little bit more time. You know, it's yeah. a little more like kind of the college football slate. Um, well, I'm glad that you made it back safely. Uh, and hey, you got out of the state of Virginia. There's, you know, nothing against this uh, this state. It's for lovers, so they say. But you know, go out to the West Coast, see see at least some family. It's um, like you said, it seems like it was a lot on you, but we're here, and uh, 2022 is is off to a fast start. We've had the national championship on Monday night. Uh, which Vito and I broke down. What was quickly before we get into what were our main topics today, which we're going to do a full preview of the wild card weekend. And uh, we're also going to talk about the the head coaches that have been fired. We're up to seven. Uh, David Cully got fired about 30 minutes before we hopped on this Zoom. So that's fresh. So we'll go through all of those uh, as well. Um, but what did you make of Monday's national championship game? Uh, Georgia's defense is really good. <laughs> Uh, that's what I made of it. Look, and they made Bryce Young look like an absolute rookie. Uh, they they were not, or he was not able to to read the, that defense nearly as well as he did in the SEC championship game and in the as well as the uh, the playoff game um, in the semifinal. But like Georgia's defense just schemed up really well. Uh, they learned from the mistakes that they had. They forced uh, young Bryce Young to throw into to spots he didn't have. And like credit to him too for trying to get through a game where he he, he obviously didn't have Mechie. And then what was the other receiver that got Jameson hurt? Williams? Uh, yeah, right. I mean, James yeah, Williams so. is is even better than Mechie. Like, and that I mean, they just I mean, there's a legitimate argument that Jameson Williams was the best wide receiver in college football this year. And yeah. he was projected to be a top 15 pick before that ACL. He actually declared for the draft today, um, which means I, I guess he's going to gamble and, and, and teams probably see, still see enough in him where they will, you know, because he's at, at best, he wouldn't be back on the field until October, you know, of next year, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Uh, I mean, look, Bryce Young still threw for 370 yards. You oh know, yeah. He, he did everything he could. He was down the wide receivers, like you said, and, um, the Alabama O-line just got, you know, they got served their lunch in that second half. I mean, Georgia yeah. dominated the line of scrimmage of, on both sides in the second half. And, and that was the biggest, um, the biggest factor. And I think how that game rolled out, but it was, it was nice to have a national championship game that was competitive. You know, we, yeah. we've kind of been there for a while. The ratings weren't great. Um, it rated out at a 22, 22.1 million. Um, it has gone down. It's up from last year, but last year was weird with COVID and everything. Last year was 19.1. This year was 22.5, I believe. Uh, it was 22 point something. I think it's 22. 22.5. Uh, but you go back the first year of the playoff, it was up at 34.9 million. And it has since decreased. Um, it took a big jump in that second year. I think there was a, you know, it was the first time in the playoff. So a lot of people tuned in for it. And then as it kind of progressed down, it was kind of, it's been around that 25, the year, the Bama Georgia first time around was 28. 
so, you know, I, it's interesting because I think it's, you know, a lot of people on a general fan base are probably not huge Alabama fans and same teams and that kind of argument. But uh, the semifinals actually did better numbers than they have since their first uh, year, which was interesting. Well, and then to have the, the actual championship game drop off was was wild. I think it's the timing of it, right? So at least the the semifinals this year in particular were on New Year's Eve. People were mm-hmm. off. It was a Saturday. Everyone was getting together. Uh, you get tired of your family on New Year's, so you flip on the TV, and and there you go. You got two uh, two good football games to watch all afternoon. Yeah, it was Friday. Um, it was Friday. Right? It was New Year's Eve, right? Yeah, it was a Friday night. Yeah. yeah. So so there's that, and then you get to you get two weeks off, and you get to a random Monday in January where everybody's got to be at work the next day. The game doesn't kick off until eight thirty at night on the East Coast. Which for me, I was watching the fourth quarter in bed. I fell asleep and woke up and happened to see the pick six. And then I went back to sleep again. So it's like, you know, the timing of it all. If you made it on a Saturday, fine. Uh, I get that you make it on the Monday because there's nothing else going on that day. And it dominates the, uh, the, at least the sports world for, for the day and the couple of days on the weekend leading up to it. Uh, but it just, I think to, it's a timing thing for me. And that that's why it probably is starting to dip a little bit. Yeah. I can't stay out that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's a bunch of issues with it. Um, but also I just, I don't know. I, I think college football as a whole, I don't know how it's consumed by younger audience, you know, audiences. I, I, obviously there's a lot of sports fans who, who love college football and, and it's great, but um I don't know. I, I, we, we actually like, we opened up the phone lines today on the radio show trying to get people's input on this because I, I, I don't think there is one clear cut answer. I think parody is definitely a big reason. Um, you know, like Michigan, Ohio state was the uh, highest rated college football broadcast in the history of Fox sports, that Ohio state, Michigan game. That, that is a huge, huge deal. Um, and I think having the parody brought interest in, and then I think people were kind of disappointed when both games turned to blowouts and it's okay. Well, it's George and Bama, but when you watch the game, it's like these two teams are playing a different sport than everyone else in college football. Like the speed on the field that day was absurd. Uh, and I heard somebody say this and I thought it was an interesting point. It was the closest thing to watching an NFL game. That isn't an NFL game that I've, I've seen like just, the defenses on both sides, the speed, uh, and obviously some of the big time throws and catches, but it was just all around a really, really great, uh, great game. But we've talked that game to death. It's in the past and we are solely in NFL territory now. Uh, And before we give our preview, well, I want to go through with you, Scotty. And and we talked a little bit pre-show about what we wanted to do in terms of the the head coaching openings, right? Um, I mentioned it there at the top. David Culley let go after one year, which I, I I hate when coaches get a year like that. And for a guy like him who was an NFL journeyman and and kind of gets this job and, and people are like, all right, but then he gets dealt the shit hand with Deshaun Watson. I think a lot of people thought maybe he would be a kind of personality that could draw Deshaun Watson back into playing for the Texans. That obviously did not happen. And he gets one year on a team that played better down the stretch. And Davis Mills did a bunch of good things. And it seemed like that team played hard. I mean, they beat the Texans once, you know, and, the, and they've obviously were not. 
Titans, sorry, the Texans beat the Titans once um, and, and damn near stole another game from them in, in week 18 too, to yeah. the team that ends up being the one seed. Uh, I, I don't That's know how what... you feel about that one in particular, and, and we'll go through them all here in a second, but that came across, like I said, about 45 minutes ago, and it just yeah. it just rubbed me the wrong way, man. I just think they did that... them absolutely dirty. Yeah, it, it's, it's ridiculous to, A, throw the expectation out there of that all NFL coaches have and then deal him that uh that hand uh and it's like here you go you're a professional NFL head coach uh you have nothing to work with um good luck uh, and, yeah, and no, then we're but, gonna fire you afterwards yeah, it, right and so the thing that gets me is that there was not one time that this entire year uh where I would flip on that game or it would be on red zone and that team was not playing their ass off for that guy yeah and and to me particularly like look at the i think davis mills made more progression this year than like trevor lawrence for example um but like uh but all of those guys just played their heart out for 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 that team and that head coach and and to just throw that by the wayside and be like well we we figured you weren't going to be the guy anyway so um so we're just going to uh, get out ahead of this and, and let you go now. That's ridiculous. That's, that's a terrible job by the franchise. Yeah, I, I, think it's a, I, I think it probably was a mistake to hire him in the first place. If, unless he was hired for what his purpose inevitably was, which was you're a sacrificial lamb. You know, like I hated when the same thing happened to uh, who, who was the Arizona coach who was only there for Steve Wilkes, right? He was only there oh, for yeah. one season. Like, I, I don't understand this mindset of, like, firing a coach less than a year after you hired him. Um, and t- with all of this uncertainty and, and the narratives that could have come out of Houston this year with the Deshaun Watson stuff, we didn't hear a word about him. Obviously, they were a bad football team, but, like, the Jags were a bad football team. We heard about them all the time, right? What Urban Meyer doing one dumb thing after another mm-hmm. dumb thing, and and – it became a, a topic, a, a part of the discussion. And again, for how out of hand the Texans could have been this year, the fact that they were not in the head, in the headlines every single week, there weren't Deshaun Watson stories every single week. A part of that has to go to David Cully, you know, and he was a vanilla hire. He was a hire. He was the opposite of a splash hire. He was a slow entrance into a cold pool hire. Like where you're slowly going in as, you know, as, as taking your time in there. Yeah. And I, I just, I think it's a shame. I think it's for a guy again, who's an NFL lifer, you know, look, four and 12 is not great, but like you said, man, what was, what was he supposed to do? How many teams, how many coaches in the NFL are, are putting together better seasons with that roster? Yeah. With Terod Taylor and Davis Mills. Like, I, I don't know what you're expecting there. So yeah, that's a shame. Um, and and I'll say this too: a lot of people had a similar reaction to when Brian Flores got fired. Mm. And I've read a bunch of articles and stuff about this, and I think it was there was a little more turmoil in their uh, locker room than people outside realized. He has not. There was a report; it was on the um, ESPN Daily with Pablo Torre, and he said that you know. Brian Flores really stopped talking to his and communicating with his staff uh, at the end of October. 
and then just basically ran the whole thing himself because he just wasn't communicating with the staff or anything. It was just his decision. Uh, There were some issues with how they handled the Tua stuff. And ultimately, that was enough to, you know, to get him fired. But when you realize that, like, their last nine games of the season, around the time that he kind of took over those strong reins, they went eight and one. Hmm, Imagine that. Bad stretch of teams and horrific stretch of quarterbacks. But, you know, it's still hard to win eight out of nine games in the NFL. Yeah. No No matter matter what the context is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, um, I don't know. Both of those, I think, were the big shocking list, but I think Cully kind of got the rougher end of the deal. So uh, with that being said, the openings we have right now, Minnesota, Miami, Chicago, Denver, New York, uh, the Raiders potentially, and now Houston. Um, Out of those seven teams, what job is the most desirable as we sit here going into the offseason? I'm going to say – I'm going to say the Vikings uh, just because that's a winnable division. You're likely not going to have Aaron Rodgers in it next year, which makes it that much more winnable. And the Vikings are right there. Like they've got the talent on offense, save for their quarterback, which will probably end up changing in the next, within the tenure of whatever coach that they hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and their defense, uh, which we, we talked about ad nauseum this season uh, for a defense, a defensive-minded head coach in Mike Zimmer uh, that just didn't get the job done. I think that's got to be the focal point of the draft. So you're looking at building around uh, what is already a really good offense and and structuring it against uh, building up a, a solid defense around it, coupled with a, a winnable division. A, a super winnable division, that's a recipe for success. Uh, I mean, right depending there. on what happens with Aaron Rodgers, yes. You would even, think it's even a if lot he more. stays, even if he stays, that that team, if you build up that defense with the right guy at the helm, uh, you're in wild card position, if nothing. I mean, they got to what within week 17 before they were eliminated this year. Uh for for as bad as they looked and played for a lot of the year, uh, mm. they were still in contention. So uh I think the right guy at the helm is is going to help uh, what is a, a pretty decent situation get just that much better. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, I think the Vikings are probably one of the least desirable personally. Um, there is a ton of redeeming things about them, right? Um, the, the Cousins deal, it's still fully guaranteed, but it, it would be relatively easy to move if they need to because the cap number itself is not as big as, you know, a lot of these big time starting quarterbacks is Um, Dalvin cook has had multiple injuries. He's obviously really talented. I mean, we, you see the, the cliff that running backs fall off, man, like Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. When he's healthy, he's good, but he's never healthy. You know, Zeke is not the same runner he was before. And, and that's not even from injury. That's just him getting beaten up for the last five years, you know, and, I don't know how many more top level seasons we get out of Dalvin cook. He's a win now type of player. And I don't think the Vikings are in a position right now from a roster standpoint to be a, a team that you think like is going to win right away. I don't think Kirk cousins is a winning quarterback. Um, 
you have Justin Jefferson and probably another two or three years of, of top level prime Adam Thielen. So that gives you something to look for. And as far as the defense goes, like Zimmer's a defensive guy. A lot of the issues with that defense is the roster. I mean, I honestly try to name me outside of Patrick Peterson. Like how many defensive players on the Vikings can you, can you name? You know, how many are our impact players at that? So I think that defense needs a lot of overhaul and, and I'll be curious to see what direction they go in because you have the pieces offensively. And so I think you want to keep those guys happy. You want to keep Justin Jefferson happy because you don't want a freaking repeat of what happened with Stefan Diggs just two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So um, I but... just, I, not to say that again, not to say that, it, and I will, I'll also add this. I don't think it's the least desirable of the jobs, um, but I think it's more towards the bottom. <laughs> Much like the franchise, it's relatively middling. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, for me, it's the Jaguars. Um, there's, Why? Because of Lawrence? There's a, a lot with Trevor Lawrence. Um, you're getting the number one overall pick again this year. You have a franchise quarterback. I mean, he looked awesome against the Colts. Like, like not just like dink and dunk. Like, he made some incredible throws. Yeah. That touchdown pass to the back of the end zone was one of the nicest touch passes I've seen this year. Uh, yeah. Imagine like if he had 16 weeks without Urban Meyer. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing, too, is that there's just if you're a head coach right now, you want to go to a situation where, hey, young quarterback on a, on his rookie deal, you want. And I've said forever, Doug Peterson would be the perfect guy. I said it on Tuesday as well or on Wednesday as well. Like Doug Peterson is the perfect fit for this head coaching hire. And Bill O'Brien just interviewed there. Uh, Doug Peterson has interviewed there as well. I think either one of those guys is a, is a franchise stabler and is a guy who can help develop a quarterback. Um, you know, Bill O'Brien for all of his, you know, you know, the hate he gets, he was a good head coach. He was a terrible GM. He was terrible when he had to manage both of those things, but a really good head coach throughout his career with the Houston Texans. And he was a huge part of what has made Matt, um, you know, guys like Mac Jones. Um, I know that was Sark. What am I saying? Mac Jones. Um, guys like Deshaun Watson at, and Houston, like turn into good players. And I think that's significant. Like, and, and if you're, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you want a guy that's going to come in there and think highly of you. They have a shitload of cap space. They have really good young pieces on defense, and they're probably going to add another one at the top of the draft here this year. And with all that, you know, go get out, go get some of those middle tier free agents, you know, Hopefully DJ shark and some of those guys come back. Maybe they nab a, a wide receiver They're, Again, it's super deep wide receiver draft this year. They're going to get Travis ETN next year. So there's a lot of things to like about Jacksonville. And I think it, it has the highest upside because you do have one of the most talented prospects we've had in the NFL over the last decade, uh, you know, coming out and has shown flashes, but also played for urban Meyer uh, and had, a pretty suspect offensive line and they just were never going to be a great team this year. But if you have the chance as a head coach to go to a franchise and lead it and take it over, that's the one that you can build the most with. And in, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, of, of the rebuilding teams that uh, on the list, uh, namely like the giants, the Texans, the um, less so the bears, but I'll even throw them in there. Like that's, the Jaguars are the best option of all of those because I think they're way ahead of uh, of schedule on compared to the other group of uh, of those teams. So, um, 
if you have a, sh a shot to to go down and and make a difference with at least what you've got on offense and and what you can add in the draft uh because they're going to have a, a decent shot of the draft to getting better again this year mm -hmm. so um i i like that i like that call a lot actually um plus the weather's better <laughs> yeah Doug Peterson, he's a he's a Florida guy. That's where he's MVP. at right now. Um, yeah. The Bears are an interesting case, though, and you you brought them up there in, in passing. But you know, you have Justin Fields. The defense has a lot of young, good players there too. Uh, and you're coming with a new GM, new head coach, and I. There's reason to be optimistic, you know. Like I, I think between the Bears and the Vikings, one of them's going to make a good hire. The other one's going to make a terrible hire. Statistically, that yeah. means, you know, if you're a betting man, that the Bears are probably going to make the wrong hire because they have Bill Polian running their um, their coaching search right now. Oh, yeah. Which is, the, which is Lamar wild. Jackson is a wide receiver, not a quarterback. Yeah, that guy. The guy who, <laughs> the guy who drafted Peyton Manning. Like, yeah. you, made, you, you made the right decision, and now he's lived off of that for a long time. But – Again, another team with some cap space. Uh, they've had a bunch of dead money on the book this year from taking bad contracts, and they should get a decent amount of that off the books. Um, I don't know. Like the, the middle tier jobs for me are like the Bears, the Broncos, and the Vikings. I think the bike, Vikings I'd probably have last on that list. Um, and then we have this wild card sitting there. I mean, two wild cards, uh, Miami and, and Las Vegas. You know, uh, the Raiders, I think – you know, he's the first quarterback since what, 19 or first coach since 1960 to uh, lead his team to the playoffs as a, um, uh, why can't I think of the word interim head coach? Why can't I, I couldn't think mm. of the word interim? Um, yeah, it's like first coach in 50 years or something like some somewhere around there to lead his team as an interim head coach to the playoffs. That is, and given everything that organization has gone through this year, it's an unbelievable job, and I think Rich Bisaccia deserves the opportunity to be the, to be the head coach there. I work with guys who played for Rich, um, and the way they talk about him, man, it's it's like up there with some of the other coaches, like great things you hear about coaches, and all that stuff's like off the record too. So, you know, I think I think they stick with Bisaccia, but Mark Davis loves to be the guy who – like I could so easily see them going hard after Harbaugh. Like Harbaugh is a real possibility yeah. um, it, with some of these NFL jobs. You think so? How legitimate do you think he is as as a candidate for NFL jobs? And From people, a, that's question A, and then B is why would you leave the situation you're in now at Michigan? So from people <laughs> that I them. people that I know who are around that team and that program in Michigan, they've said it's about fifty fifty that he leaves. Um or that he stays now Jim Harbaugh's smart and he knows how difficult it would be to continue being competitive. And, and I think he knows how far behind he is from actually winning a national championship, you know, and competing for a national championship. We saw them get, you know, shit pumped by Georgia uh, in the semifinals. So I think there's a realistic side of, of the situation where he could be like, I can make, honestly more money in the nfl i can go back and do that if it's a job it's a good situation that he doesn't have to develop a quarterback he can take a guy like Derek carr already you know and and kind of structure on that i mean his career is everywhere he's ever gone he's won not necessarily championships 
but anywhere he's gone, he's won. And he kind of fulfilled a promise by winning the big 10 this year. I don't think he ever would have thought about leaving Michigan without winning a big 10 title. And he did that this year. And so if it's the right job and the right opportunity, and if you look at Harbaugh throughout his career, he never tends to stay one place too long. You know, it's that five to six years. And then now granted he's been, this is what his, his seventh season, his sixth season at, at Michigan Seven. this year, seventh. Seven. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's long by his standards. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, going back mm-hmm. to when he was at San Diego, he was at San Diego for two years. Then it becomes this, you know, Stanford head coach. Then it's, I think that was four. And then the Niners was four, five, was four or five. Right. And then yeah. he's been with Michigan now for, for six, seven years. So yeah, that would be the case at least for why I think he, he would entertain it. I, if you put a gun to my head, I would say I think he probably stays, but I would not be surprised at all if he ends up taking a job in the NFL. And again, that's just from my sourcing and um, the people I know around the program, but even people who are plugged in are wrong all the time. So you always got to take that with a grain of salt as well. Uh, the Dolphins are an interesting spot here too, in terms of another team. A um, lot of young talent on both sides of the ball, but you have this T-shaped question mark at quarterback. And I like Tua. I don't love Tua. That's where I've been with him pretty much all year. Is there things I like about him? I don't know what his ceiling is. And you watch him compared to his, you know, contemporaries and, and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. And I've said all along, like we have to give him time because that injury was so catastrophic. I think he is almost as close to being fully back as he can be. And, and next year to me is, is the, you know, deciding day that whatever we see out of him next year regardless of where he's at you know if he gets traded to houston if he gets traded somewhere else um i think that will give us a clear indication of what Tua is but we just haven't seen him be great and and so there's a lot of perks there's a lot of things to love about the miami job but there's also some stuff where you're kind of like i don't know like do you want to deal with that conversation with tua um and maybe even potentially bringing in Sean Watson or something too. And the headache that's going to solve. So I think it's just, it's an asterisk to me out of these teams that are available where I'm just like, I'm not really quite sure what that job is. Yeah. I don't either. To me, that's, that's the, the least favorable opportunity of any of these. You, you mm-hmm. go down the list that we have, uh, you know, the Broncos are, are in decent shape on one side of the ball and, uh, the Jaguars, we talked about the the young talent there. Uh, the Vikings, we talked about the talent there. The Bears, we know are really good on one side of the ball, and they got a rookie quarterback. The Raiders are currently in the playoffs. So, like, uh, you look at the Giants at least have superstar talent. Uh, and what does Miami have? Like, it's the, it's the biggest question mark to me as well because you just don't know what you have in – I don't think their their owner Stephen Ross particularly cares much about knowing definitively what uh, what they have uh, currently and what they want to do moving forward. That's just like uh, it's one of those going through the motions situations, uh, which is easy to do if you've ever been to South Beach uh, <laughs> in uh, in Miami. So uh, I don't know, man. Either uh, Miami Miami's weird, um, and that division's not getting any easier. Uh, 
you know, I, I give the Jets a lot of shit, but they're a tough football team to beat. That was proven this year, and they're only going to get better under Robert Salas. Yeah, so. I mean, and, and the Bill, I mean, the and Jets are no Jets. The Bills and Pats are are yeah, both right. still tra- like it's crazy to think that even though the Bills got to the AFC Championship game and this year might have been a bit of a disappointment, the Bills are still like the arrow's still up. Like they're still you know apexing mm-hmm. to what they can potentially be, um, and they might have lucked out. And you know, there's a good chance Brian Dable who had multiple head coaching offers after last season, there's a good chance he may not get a job at all, which look at what's happened in Kansas city. That's been a blessing in disguise. The fact that they still have Eric B there, despite the fact that like we complain about it. And there's also reasons behind why, you know, he hasn't gotten a head coaching job and I think it's kind of fucked, but there's no question that that has helped Kansas city on this run. And if they could somehow squeeze another year out of day ball, Bills are still going up, and you're right. That division is tough, and you're mm-hmm. walking into a dogfight. Now, if you're a young head coach and you want to take, you know, take chances and bet that you're going to be, you're going to out, you know, you're going to be there longer than Belichick, out coach Belichick in the sense of longevity, because Belichick, I mean, probably only has another few years left of coaching in him. If we're being honest, and the guy's 69 years old, so nice. I was expecting a nice there. Nice. Didn't give me a... <laughs> um, and then I, you know, I don't know. I, I, again, the Tua thing is the hardest part about this. Sure. And you have to coach them up sort of, you know, you can't, you have to recognize what you have, like you said, and you sort of what like Seattle and Pete Carroll did with Russell Wilson. It's like, yeah, like he can throw the lights out of the ball. He's super talented, um, but he's small and we need to preserve him. Right. Yeah. Um, and so Seattle did a very good job of that, obviously, uh, over the past decade plus. Um, and I mean, look, you have to do the same thing with Tua, and you know it's not going to be just anyone that can do it either. So I think yeah. finding the right fit for that is is an absolute must-have for them. It's going to be tough to navigate. That's all I know. Um, yeah. The last team, I really, I mean, we didn't really talk much about the Broncos. Um, Vito and I did a little bit on um, on Wednesday's pod, so probably not a whole lot else uh, to really get into there. But the the other team that has now fired a coach uh, that we have not talked about is the New York Giants, and the Giants are wildly enough for what we still think in our mind because it's not that far removed, right? We I still think of the Giants as good, you know, like through the majority of my childhood and watching them, you obviously win a couple of Super Bowls there as well. Like the giants were always just a consistently good football team under Tom Coughlin. Um, and before that, even with Parcells too, like the giants have just consistently been good. And now the last three coaches they've had have all been massive failures, Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, and now Joe judge. Uh, I talked about this earlier in the week, but I mean, you remember when we did those, our preseason previews and tra- during training camp and everyone's talking about Joe Judge making the coaches run and, and making the players run laps and shit. And I said it then that this was never going to work out. There's just no way that this was going to work out. You can't treat mm-hmm. grown men like they're high school kids and expect them to respond positively to it. It just Chip Kelly did the same thing. It's a it, Steve Spurrier did the same thing. Like All these college coaches who, who can't make the jump that's a huge reason why Urban Meyer we just saw this year. Uh, so I actually give the Giants credit 
because it's a terrible look to have three coaches and this three different coaches in the span of what, five years, two years with judge, two years with Shermer. And then the year before that, they was when they fired McAdoo. So three coaches in five years for a team like New York. Um, and, and again, in that city, the heat that they get from their fan base, it's, it's, it's heavy, man. So uh, talk about jobs that I would absolutely hate to like, bottom of the list. I think it's the giants because at least, you know, there's something there with Tua. There's nothing there with Daniel Jones. I would much no. rather have Tua than Daniel Jones. No, and I agree. They're all, the offensive line is terrible. The, the top 10 pick that had Andrew Thomas, the left tackle who came out of Georgia a couple of years ago, he has not panned out well. That offensive line is a mess. The defense still has some decent players and actually kind of overperformed, I thought. But, I mean, Joe Judge hired Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator. Like, we should have all known then that, that like, the shit was never going to work. But um, that job just seems, like, impossible to me. Yeah, and I think if the good news, if you're a New York Giants fan, correct at the Bray Mar Safeway, uh, is that you have a blank slate. Right. They got rid of Gettleman too, which I think was an absolute, uh, a, a real power move. Yeah. Good move. He quote unquote, uh, quote unquote because, retired. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone uh, in New York is a Giants fan. So don't let the door hit you. Um, so uh, look, it's a blank slate. Uh, you've got what I think are probably some good years left out of the talent that you've got on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but the three previous coaches you talked about were all old school guys. Like, go get a young, innovative mind, uh, whatever side of the ball you want to pick, yeah. um, and, and and let them, you know, let them loose a little bit. And just well, I think they're worried about that because they got burnt so bad with McAdoo. You know, McAdoo was just a we he was a younger guy, but was just kind of weird vibes. And yeah, the Maras always want to find, you know, who's going to be the next Bill Parcells, who's going to be the next Tom Coughlin. Like, they're looking for guys like that. And those guys are, are becoming outside of Belichick. I mean, Bruce Arians a little bit, but those guys are becoming more and more, you know, obscure. You know, we mm -hmm. don't really see those guys in the NFL that much anymore because I don't think they do a good job of connecting with the modern player. And that's what we saw with Joe Judge. Yeah. Like Joe Judge tried to run that shit like he was, you know, running practice and remember the Titans like. It, that just doesn't work in the NFL. Like you have to play to the ego. You have to understand that side of it. Um, otherwise you're, you're going to struggle. You, you just are. And I don't know how desirable, like I know you, I know he's your guy, but Saquon hasn't been good in two years, three years. What, you know, like he, again, he just has, we, he just hasn't been good. Like, and yeah. not a great offensive line in front of them, but like, yeah, like Najee was better than him this year. And, and the Steelers' offensive line is as bad, if not worse. You know, like Saquon, obviously he had the ACL, which, like, that sucks, and that's devastating. But outside of that first year, like, Saquon just doesn't scare teams anymore. Like, does he still make it an occasional incredible play? Like, yeah, he's, he still has some of that in him. But I guess if you go all in on the offensive line, then, may, you know, any running back can look good, and maybe that's when you get that version of him again. But – Saquon just hasn't been good. And again, I get he's coming off the injury this year, but just can't stay healthy when he is healthy. He hasn't been good. The wide receivers, I mean, they drafted Kadarius Tony in the first round and they signed Kenny Galladay and they had a combined zero touchdown catches. That's insane. So, yeah, I, 
to me, that means you need an offensive minded coach. Uh, maybe somebody, like I said, who's, who's got a little more innovation and they're going to find a way up to David Colley. They're going to go pick up Houston's like, yeah, I mean, we had the same record as Houston, but they actually looked like they wanted to be there. So let's go, let's yeah. go take that guy. That's what's right. going to happen. Find a way to score points yeah, with the talent you have, because you got a lot of it on the offensive side of the ball. They need to use it. Yeah. They don't have a quarterback. And again, that's the, oh, yeah. that's the big <laughs> problem with that team. All right. Yeah. Um, that's all we got for the coaching stuff. Uh, obviously as more positions either open up or get filled, we will be all over it. Quick break coming back. And we are going to preview wildcard weekend in the NFL wildcard weekend is here. And I fucking love wildcard weekend. It's so great. And the fact that we have six games, we get two on Saturday, three on Sunday and a Monday night game. I just wildcard weekend. I'm just so excited. And you and I both have teams playing. Yeah. Isn't that great? I mean, when you and I were, (laughs) when you and I were sitting, in your basement week two when the Eagles and, and Niners were playing. Right. I don't think, I don't think either one of us really thought that we were like, I know I definitely didn't think playoffs. You were even a little bit like, yeah, I don't think this team's going to be very good this year. In fact, not with that secondary. <laughs> in fact, I want to go back and uh, let's see if I can find, I have our prediction. Oh, I have my mine at least, but I believe you were pretty down on, um, on your Niners coming into the season, correct? Um, no, actually, I think I had them in the playoffs. I had them as the, I pretty much nailed it. I had them as the third of the three NFC West teams that would go. Um, oh, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. I was off by one. I had the Cardinals as the third and us as the the second, the Rams winning the division. So I was almost right. Um, but Ooh. yes. Almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. That's yeah, that's what they tell me. I got uh, I got the hand grenade part right. Um, I'm just anyway. like ripping through my my notes here. It must be on I because everyone who listens to the show knows that I am a uh, an old man and I use a yellow legal pad to do all my notes and prep for the show. And um, I had changed over one right while we were doing our preseason preview. So I don't have my picks for the NFC one, but I am curious because I want to go back now that the regular season's over and, and look at what all my picks were and see how accurate we were. Cause there's definitely some things that I called dead on. There's just some other things that I didn't, um, but yeah, man, both our teams, that was a long diatribe, but both of our teams playing in the playoffs. Uh, and what I would say both are actually winnable games, uh, but we'll get to that later. We're going to spend a few minutes breaking down each game and then we're going to pick against the spread. Uh, Vito was supposed to be sending us uh, his pick. So if he gets it to us in time while we're recording, I'll say them on here. If not, um, just trust that we got them in on time. And, um, you know, if he lies, that's that's on him. Uh, first game, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Las Vegas Raiders going to the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Uh, looking like a 27 and clear skies for the Bengals. Two 10 and 7 teams. Cincinnati's a five point favorite over unders at 49. Why don't we do why don't we do spread and over under for each game? Today? Oh wow. Okay. Let's just really right. get into it. Let's just get all get it all over us, man. Just get super degenerate about it. Yeah, I love this game. I, so, I love it. So what why do you love it? 
Give me sell the pitch. Give me the pitch. Uh look, there's nothing like January football. You love to see a 27 degree clear blue sky temperature. They're playing in the jungle. The Raiders just came off a win uh in which they should not have won the way they played, the the way that uh their defense played in particular, uh letting Justin Herbert sling everywhere and give up fourth downs all over the place in the fourth quarter uh did the Raiders defense so um I I like Joe Burrow he's playing fearless right now and look the 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 Vegas defense is near the bottom tier uh a lower third I'd say in uh in passing defense but they're really not great in rushing defense Joe Mixon's going to torch them up I think uh, Vegas gives up something like uh, half a, a touchdown per game on average uh, rushing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Joe Mixon's going to uh, to light it up a little bit. You get that going, plus you got Joe Burrow slinging to to Jamar Chase, uh, Jamar the God Chase, uh, and Tyler Boyd and, and T Higgins. Like, forget it, man. It's it's it started this game. I saw it was at six and a half when it opened. It's been bet down to five. I think the money's going to the Raiders. I'm fading the public. I'm going Bengals to cover the spread All and right. win the game. So I, I think you you drilled it, man. Like I, you came packed with heat today for uh, for this game. Um, I just Joe Burrow to me is a guy that he's quickly entering that group of players that you never want to bet against. You know, like even if you don't think he's the best quarterback or a top 10 quarterback, even, or if you think, hey, is this, you know, is the team even good enough to win a Super Bowl? It doesn't matter. I just don't want to bet against Joe Burrow. Uh, that kid has such a level of moxie and charisma and confidence when he steps onto a football field. I so I, an old video popped up of uh, after he won the Heisman getting it was before the college football playoff. And the reporter asked to had like an old picture of him when he was like chubby with glasses. And she asked him, she's like, is this, you know, does this look like a Heisman? And he goes, damn right. It does. And uh, he goes, you know what else it looks like? And she's like, what? It looks like a national champion too. And this is before the college football playoff. Like the dude just has an enormous set of balls. I don't know how else to say it. And <laughs> they have 2000 yard receivers, whether it's T Higgins or Jamar chase. I mean, Jamar chase made the all pro team this year as a rookie wild him and micah parsons both as rookies made the all pro team Uh, that is really hard to do as a rookie and the secondary of of the raiders is not great but what they are great at is generating pressure and the one thing that can that can fuck this game up and, and make it close is the raiders ability to pressure the quarterback if they're able to make joe burrow uncomfortable they have a chance but the thing with Burrow is even when you make him uncomfortable, he still finds ways to make plays. And so for me, I think the Bengals win this game. The deciding factor is, is it going to be by a lot or is it going to be a, a field goal type game? Because I think there's a very realistic chance that this becomes a field goal game. You know, Trey Hendrickson's a great defensive end. Great guy. Again, another similar to Max Crosby. Like they both are, you know, <laughs> prototypical white D end, right? But, like, they both find ways to generate pressures, even though the sack numbers aren't crazy. But Trey Hendrickson had that streak of, like, nine straight games with at least half a sack this year. He tied the record. So there are players on the Bengals' defense. The question is, are they going to be able to do enough in coverage? Because I think the Raiders are going to attack that secondary. 
you know, and, and will the Bengals be able to slow them down? I think it ends up being a really close game. I think the Raiders cover, but I think Cincinnati wins the game. So I'm going to take the Raiders to cover the five um, and, and we'll see where, where that takes us uh, over under is at 49. Where is, where is your pick here? Um, I'm going to take the over. Um, it just seems to me like the, the, as good as the Bengals defense was at the beginning of the year, I, I'm not thrilled with the way they've played and they've been in a lot of shootouts this year, um, as it, as it stands. So I'll take the over on that. And Vegas can score points if they start moving the ball. Uh, but so can, as we, as we just talked about, uh, so can the Bengals. So I'm going to hit the over. I'm, I'm also taking the over. I think this is like a 30 to 27 type game. I, I think they cover it comfortably. Um, the night game on Saturday, Patriots at Buffalo. It's going to be four degrees. No crazy wind or rain expected this time around for, for New England. So I think we're going to see a few more passing attempts out of Mac Jones, but it's going to be cold. It's going to be real cold. Buffalo is a four point favorite in this game. Since they met that first time, both teams have kind of gone in opposite directions. Uh, the Patriots have lost three out of their last four. The Bills have won three out of their last four, right? So trending in different directions. I But Buffalo, uh, to their immense credit, they avenged that loss uh, in Foxborough, which is a hard thing to do. Both great defenses. I, to me, this game comes down to who's going to be the best player on the field, you know? And, and when the Patriots are on offense, I don't know who that player is. Obviously, when the Bills are on offense, you know, the, the Patriots are uh, – Josh Allen's going to be the best player on the field. But when the Pats are on offense and the Bills are on defense, those are both two just really solid units. You know, there's not a single player who's going to be the difference maker. Damian Harris, Ramon, I mean, you could just say the running back might be the best player on the field. And I think that favors the Bills, who have gotten much better defending the run as the season progressed, and as well as we saw in that second matchup in Foxborough a couple of weeks ago. So uh, right now I'm leaning Bills, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, uh, so I think the conditions uh, are going to favor uh, favor the Bills a little bit, especially if there's some snow on the ground. Uh, but the difference here is is going to be in the run game for sure, uh, and I think you nailed it. And that's why they the Patriots pulled out that win. Uh, uh, I can't remember what week that was uh, against was the Bills. Some point in November. Yeah, or November or early December. Yeah, so that's going to be the difference. Uh, if there is more opportunity to throw, I think that favors the Patriots even more. Their passing defense, I think, is a little bit better um, than the uh, than the Bills right now. And look, Josh Allen was not great down the stretch. Uh, he threw two touchdowns, three interceptions in the last two games, and that was against the Jets and the Falcons defense. Uh, so the Patriots being a much stronger defense against the pass are 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 going to make him make some weird decisions. Uh, Allen finished, I think it was, uh, he had 15 interceptions, which is the second most in the league. All it takes is one turnover in a playoff game. And so I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills opponent, the New England Ooh. Patriots, not only to cover, but to win outright. Interesting. Um, I, yeah, you make a compelling case. Uh, I, I just think, I think Josh Allen, when it gets to the playoffs, he's just going to go all out and, and try to make every possible play, every scramble, every run. He's going to let it all fly, man. He The last thing he wants is to lose to New England again in his home stadium. And I think the Bills realize they have a chance to make a run. 
Um, in, in an AFC that feels pretty wide open, if they win, chances are they're going to end up playing Tennessee, um, barring you know some some setbacks and some upsets uh, around the uh, rest of the AFC. So if that ends up happening and the Bills get Tennessee next, then that's again a winnable game. Then all of a sudden, boom, you're in the AFC Championship game, and who knows what happens from there. So I'm taking Buffalo. I think Buffalo wins uh, and covers the four points. Um, I think they win by a touchdown. Uh, Over-under set at 44. Over-under. I'm going to take the under. I think there's going to be too much defense in this game, and it's going to be, it's going to be too cold to have a, a ton of success in the passing game on, on either side of the ball, so, uh, or on either side of the matchup, rather. So I'm going to take the under. I'm taking the over here. So we're on polar opposites for this game. I, I think 44 is a low number, and I think both offenses are going to be able to score some points here. I don't think it's going to be another 10, you know, 13 to three type game. I think, I think both teams are going to be able to move the ball well enough. Um, again, it's going to be cold, but the conditions aren't necessarily going to be terrible. So yeah, give me, give the, me uh, the, uh, the over there at 44. The, the under, by the way, is my lock of the week. Ooh. All right. There we go. Scotty dropping a freaking lock on us there. Um, <laughs> uh, Sunday games kicking off at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman on the call. My, Phil- my Philadelphia Eagles going to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay, this is the second biggest spread that we have in the first round. Tampa Bay is an eight and a half point favorite at home. Uh, and I'm getting dangerously close to picking the Eagles outright here, but instead I'm going to let you talk and then, uh, I'll, I'll see if you can maybe talk me out of my insanity. Talk you out of it. Well, all you need to know about the, uh, the bucks against the spread is that they're really, really good. <laughs> uh, and Tom Brady, uh, has just gone last year over 500 in wild card games. He's now three and two in wild card games. Crazy that he's only been to five in his entire career. Uh, this will be the sixth. Um, That's crazy. Look, man, the defense for the Eagles has been playing so much better down the stretch, uh, which which you've seen uh, firsthand. Uh, but, you know, the the bread and butter for the Eagles is going to be their run game. Uh, I think the, the Bucks are 12th, if ninth in total defense and, uh, and 12th against the run. Um, and that, that kind of gives the Eagles, uh, a, a, a chance to attack at the, uh, at the point of, uh, at the point of the line and, and if they get that run game going, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to help them out immensely. And I think they do cover, I, I think the bucks win. I'll say that, uh, just because I'm not going to count out Tom Brady for, for any, losing any playoff game ever. Um, I think the bucks do win. It's a home game. Uh, I think their defense is for as banged up as they are a little bit better than Philadelphia still. Um, I'd, I'm interested to see how, what Jalen hurts can do against that defense too. Speaking of running game. Um, so I think the bucks win. I, I do think that the Eagles cover though. The bucks are Oh, and five in their last five wild card games against the spread. Um, yeah. Give me the Eagles to cover. I'll do it. All right. Um, so ten, and, ten and one. 10 and one. Sorry. Last stat. The Eagles are 10 and one uh, against the spread in their last 11 playoff games. Fun fact. Interesting. Um, and remember this too, Scotty. Um, these two teams played already this season. 
And one of the few right. times was that Bucks, a Thursday night game, it was a Thursday night game. And one of the few times that the Buccaneers did not cover the spread this season was against Philly, because that was when they were the empty stats in the fourth quarter team, when they were just coming back and backdoor covering so many of these spreads. Uh, there's two things here, right? Like my, my smart side of my brain is telling me, you know, the last time Tom Brady played the Eagles in a meaningful game, like a playoff game, was the Super Bowl. The Eagles won. So Tom Brady's always going to have that chip on his shoulder, regardless, even, even though there's like, you know, five players left from that team still on the roster, you know, and it's a new coaching staff and different quarterbacks and everything else. Tom Brady's still going to have that chip on his shoulder. He still has always had a, a weird dynamic with Philly and the Philly fans. So uh, I think Tom Brady's going to, you know, definitely be – and it's playoff time, right? So you're getting an even more locked-in version of Tom Brady than, than normal. Um, but I do think this Eagles team is going to make this a tight game. You know, I, I'm with you. I think Tampa Bay does win. But I don't think an upset is that crazy here. The Eagles are just the, – the, their formula for winning, it, the ball control, the defense, you know, the way they can methodically march down the field and crush teams. Now, they're going up against – the, one of the best run defenses in football and you're going up against Vita Vea, but we also got Jason Kelsey and we have Jordan Malata and you have Lane Johnson and the best offensive line in football this year and a mobile and quarterback. That second team uh, offensive line got a ton of reps in week 18 mm -hmm. and they look yeah. pretty darn good by the way. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are, there are a lot of really good guys. Uh, even like the, the snaps Nate Herbig's played, you know, as, as a guy who came in for Brandon Brooks and, and played as played, pretty much the entire season. He's been awesome. He's always in the top five graded for, you know, PFF each week and, and run blocking. And then he's starting to develop the pass blocking side of him a little bit more. I, I think the Eagles with, again, the way they're constructed, I think they just keep it tight. I have no faith in the defense to slow down Tom Brady at all. None. And Jonathan Gannon's going to get exposed like the fraud that he is in this game. But if you limit the amount of possessions that the Bucks have and they score two touchdowns, but they're only holding the ball a couple times and you then all of a sudden, Hey, one turnover or one stop here, that might be enough for you to win. You know, that's kind of what they've been doing here of late. And I'm not going to be so dumb as to say that the Eagles beat Tom Brady on Sunday, but I think they keep it close. And I, and I think the Eagles, you get into eight and a half points here, that style football travels. Give me the birds. I'm taking Philly to cover too. Go um, birds. By the way, Niners are rooting for you guys because I don't want to go to Lambeau in the traditional yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 realized, I did that math today and went, oh, shit, that sucks. <laughs> um, and Eagles fans are rooting for the Niners too because yeah, we're, if, we, if we win, we're going to have to play Green Bay no matter what. So we just want to see you guys beat Dallas. Um, the over-under in this game is 46. Where do you have it? Over. Big time. Uh, look, we know what Tampa Bay can do on offense. The Eagles have scored. And look, Tampa Bay's getting Fournette back too. Uh, so that's going to be a massive help, uh, even even as rusty as he might be. Uh, but he's been practicing. He's supposed to come back this week, and that's going to be a big help against that tough uh, Philadelphia defense, uh, particularly, with, particularly the way he gets used out of the backfield. But we know enough about Tampa Bay's offense. The Eagles have scored 25. They've averaged 25 and a half points on the road uh, per game in the regular season. Uh, and with Jalen Hurts running around and, and playing as well as he did at the end of the year, 
uh, getting the rest that he had at the end of the year as well, uh, being a little banged up. I, I think if they if they even play put up their average at twenty five and a half, that leaves what twenty two and a half for the Bucks to score. That's cake. Give me the over. Yeah, yeah. and uh, look, man. Last thing I'll say on this game, it's hard to beat it's the same team twice in the season. You know, even Green Bay. You know, look at their losses: one to Minnesota, one to. Um, Detroit and even the first half of that game against Chicago a few weeks ago, you know, the bears dominated that first half. So it, it's even the, for the best teams in football, it's hard to beat the same team twice. And I think the Eagles ironically are built similar to what, you know, the saints are. And I think they're going to pull from what's some of the stuff the saints did. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the balls to call it, but I'm just saying right now, if there's an upset that I think could legitimately happen, do it. I think the Eagles, I think the Eagles might do it. That's all I'm saying. Do it, Jeff. They do almost it. lost. <laughs> they almost, they almost lost to the Jets two weeks ago. Let's not forget that. They almost, they should have lost to the Jets two weeks ago. All right. Yeah. Just let's just not forget that. But then um, Tom Brady happened. <laughs> but then Tom Brady happened. I even I said this to Vito on the pod earlier in the week. Like I even texted you guys and neither of you responded, which thank you for not responding because you would have just berated me. But uh when I texted our group chat and said, you know, is it crazy if I kind of want the Eagles to, to play Tampa Bay next week? And because at the time they were losing like seven, nothing to Carolina in the, at the end of the first quarter. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then Tom Brady decided to be Tom Brady. Just saying, just saying uh, your squad, the Niners taking on the Cowboys in Dallas, oh, baby, the Cowboys <laughs> are, Oh, I'm on the over two, by the way, um, in the Philly and Tampa Bay game. Uh, mm-hmm. Dallas is a three point favorite in this game. I think this is a bad matchup for Dallas. I, I, I think it's risky to say the least. Um, I think all three of the, the favorites in the NFC could lose uh, in, in the first round. I, I legitimately do. And the way the Niners have been playing the way Debo, I mean, two of my favorite players to watch play football are Debo Samuel and, and George Kittle, and they're on the same team. So Jimmy G is, can do enough. He's not going to lose your games. And if the defense continues to play at the level that they have in the last few weeks, and look, I mean, the way that they were able to turn around after the first quarter against the Rams and, and come back to win that game was really impressive. So what do you where where are you at? Where's your confidence level with your boys going into this first round matchup against the Cowboys? So the obviously the biggest question mark is gonna be Jimmy, right? And it's well documented that there are two versions of Jimmy. There's the Jimmy who is competent enough uh, to make a, the smart play. And there's the Jimmy who looks absolutely atrocious. Uh, we got both in one week last week against, <laughs> against the Rams, uh, which are to me a, a far better defense than, um, than, uh, than Dallas's. I like the matchup here too. And I'll tell you why the running game for the Niners. Let's start there. Uh, since week nine, they've led the league in in net yards. Um, they they've uh, they went their uh, fifth overall in the running game on expected uh, expected points added per play, um, and and so the rushing offense is is, is going to set up uh, everything we can do in the passing game. Now, I I understand that the that 
the uh, Dallas defensive line is going to be putting up a, a potent pass rush up against us. But guess what? If you're going to have George Kittle on the field and Debo Samuel for that matter, um, you're going to have to protect the middle. And that means we're going to have to make Michael Parsons play in the pass game and go sideline to sideline a little bit. Uh, that's as good as he is at that. And I watched him do it in college too. It's not a strength in the NFL right now. Uh, if you could pick out one weakness uh, in his game right now, that would be it. Uh, and so even if you don't utilize George Kittle, you're going to have to force Micah Parsons out of the play. Uh, and then you've got Debo in the run game. You've got him in the pass game. And you've got Brandon Ayuk, who's come on really strong in the last three or four weeks. Uh, so I like what the offense is doing. Uh, and on the defensive side of the ball, uh, we're first in the league right now against the run in uh, expected points added. So uh, shutting them down in the run game, I think that's going to continue. And we still don't know what the heck the Cowboys offense is, mm -hmm. uh, right? Like I, 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 we, we talked about this, what, almost four or five weeks ago now. And I still don't know what they are. Yeah. So, they're uh, just, they're so, potent is what they are. They just have a lot of guys. They could that be. Strike, that can strike yeah. at any time, but there's no clear identity. And so yeah. if a defense is, and, and the few times we've seen it where defenses have made clear game plans to eliminate you know, hey, we're taking Amari Cooper out of this game, then all of a sudden, like, you're seeing a big, a significant jump, you know, and and I think that's 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 pretty big. Um, so yeah. it sounds like you feel pretty good. Do you feel good enough to say that they're going to cover the spread and or take this one? Not only cover, it's my lock of the week at three. All Even right. the Niners. I am my also lock taking... of the week against the spread. I'm also taking the Niners. I'm taking the Miners money line here too. Um, I'd be curious to see where the public money is at because for whatever reason, they decided to make the win against Philly last week seem like the Super Bowl for Dallas and that they were playing this hard. They were playing against practice squad guys. I did that rant earlier this week, so I'm not going to do it again. But I feel like a lot of public money is going to go on Dallas. So I'm going to take San Francisco here as well. Um, and the over-under is at 51. I'm taking the under here. Uh, I think Dak makes some mistakes. Pretty much every high leverage game Dak has played in, he has not played well. And I think we're going to see another one here. It's going to be a lot of run the ball from San Francisco. And uh, 51 is, is I think, the second highest spread total that we have. Um, no, sorry, it's, it's the biggest over-under. I don't know why I said spread. It's the biggest over-under that we have here. I'm taking the under here. Uh, where are you at for the over-under? Yeah, 51's a lot. I, I think we can score a lot. Mike McDaniel's an absolute genius, and he's going to find a way to get the, the Cowboys defense, who's 29th in the league uh, in, in overall run and uh, overall defense since week nine. So um, I think McDaniel's going to find a way to, to get them off balance. And, but I don't think we score. I think Jimmy, Jimmy makes two like, like, uh, like Dak will. So I'm going to take the under as well. All right, we're both on San Francisco to win outright, and we're both taking the under, which means the Cowboys are going to win by 30. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pittsburgh going to Kansas City Sunday night. Uh, looks like actually a pretty decent night for January in, in uh, Arrowhead. Uh, the Chiefs are a 12-and-a-half-point favorite, and so this is the game I think I see the clearest. And... I have a, a couple of reasons for that, but the biggest one is Big Ben is coming off back-to-back -back insanely emotional games. This team is coming back off of back-to-back -back extremely emotional games and having to sweat out that Sunday night game too. So you can even make the argument that they had a third game that was stressing them out. 
I think this team is exhausted. I think they've done the, the rally for Ben one last time. I think winning that game last week against Baltimore was their big win, was their final hurrah, was their Super Bowl. So I think the Steelers come out flat here, and I think the Chiefs, we're going to talk about them on Monday. Like, holy shit, the Chiefs are so good. The offensive line has played great. I think they'll be able to handle T.J. Watt. And even still, you have Mahomes, the escapability, Travis Kelsey. I mean, unless you're putting Minka Fitzpatrick on him one-on-one, you know, and and with Tyreek Hill there and stuff, like there's just going to be so many opportunities for the Chiefs to go down and score. So I think the Chiefs win this huge, and I think they cover the 12-and-a-half very, very easily. Am I crazy? Am I being too confident in the Chiefs? Who, again, I said on Wednesday, and I'll stand by this, I still don't think the Chiefs are all that good. I just think this is a terrible matchup for the Steelers, and I think they're so emotionally drained. And you have still have a 40-year-old quarterback. I just think it's going to be I, – I just don't see the Steelers coming out and keeping this close. That doesn't – that's less of a um, – less of a Chiefs are, you know, this unbelievably dominant team and more of I just think the Steelers come out flat. I agree wholeheartedly you're not crazy this is going to be an absolute route uh <laughs> last year's uh or since we've had the the seven seed uh well no let's i'll put it this way last year five of the the six wild card games were decided by seven or more points right now you've got an offense in the chiefs uh who since they've started to go on this run since about what week 11, 12, 10, maybe something like that. They found different ways to do it. It's not the explosive play with Tyree kill all the time. It's not Travis Kelsey for 30 over the middle all the time. It's they're running the ball with Nicole Hardman. Uh, he, that won him the game last week, right? That, that mm-hmm. big run he popped off to get a, to a first down. Um, uh, they're they're finding Byron Pringle over the middle on on short catches. They're utilizing the screen game with uh, with Clyde Edwards-Helaire, although he's been hurt and now. Daryl Williams, um, and so they're they're doing it still. They're winning. They're having offensive success, but it's in a different way than than we're used to seeing, uh, which has been the explosive play. So uh, I think they that Patrick Mahomes and, and the the game plan that the enemy has is going to absolutely carve up this defense. Uh, if the offensive line, which is fantastic, by the way, for the Chiefs over the last uh, four or five weeks, Creed Humphrey, uh, uh, just an absolute legitimate star at, at mm-hmm. offensive lineman at center, center as a rookie. Yeah. Um, he was on the all-pro team, which is bullshit. Yeah. should have been Jason Kelsey, but whatever. <laughs> uh, look, uh, the way that they played, uh, if, they can, if they can protect Mahomes and just stave off T.J. Watt even, I, it's not even close to me. It's an yeah. absolute route. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're both on Kansas City. And then over under yeah. is at 46. I'm actually going to take the under here because I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to score much in this game at all. So I think the majority of that 46 has to come from Kansas City, which is definitely possible. I mean, this game could be, you know, 35, 35 to 14, you know, I, if, and that's assuming the Steelers score two touchdowns, which I don't know if they will. Um, I think the Chiefs hold the Steelers to 10 or less. I'm definitely under two touchdowns. So that just means a lot of offensive output for the Chiefs. So I like the under here. I like the over. I think the Chiefs are going to be able to move the ball with relative ease. And I, and I think they're going to score. And I think for as, as decent as and progress, progressing as Kansas City's defense had played uh, down the stretch, 
I think they've lost a little bit of the luster over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I, I think that for as, as okay as the, as the chiefs or the Steelers offense is, I think they're going to find ways to move the ball a little bit and, uh, and score. And I think you, you utilize, uh, the, the rookie phenom who's got you there in Najee Harris. So I think they can score. I'm going to take the over. All right. Uh, and that leaves us with our Monday night game. NFC West showdown, the Arizona Cardinals and the LA Rams. Yeah, I mean, you just made people can't see it because we're, you know, this is a podcast, Scotty. I don't know if you know that, but uh, the, face, radio, yeah. <laughs> the facial expression you just made was, I don't fucking know. I am <laughs> no clue. <laughs> and, I, and I'll say this, this game is going to be overthought. Look at all the, all the numbers, listen to all the experts, Try to think of all the X's and O's, do all those stats and research and all the shit that you want to do. And it's not going to make it any smarter. And you're not going to have any better chance trying to figure out who's going to win this game. The only deciding factor I'm considering right now is my gut. What does my gut tell me? This is a thousand percent gut call. The Rams four point favorite right now. I just think straight up, who's the better team? I think the Rams, I think the Rams are a better yeah. team. They're a better team on yeah. defense. Um, I, even though Stafford scares me, Kyler scares me too. You know, one play and all of a sudden it could be Colt McCoy sitting in there because Tyler, you know, he he's just he's just a little fragile, man. Like, and I hate to say because I love that I love the player, I love the talent. I'm just never going to fully trust him because of his size. And if D Hop's playing, it's a I, then I really don't know. Flip a coin, man. I got no fucking clue. Um, yeah, but That's a good I just. Point. <laughs> But if D Hop's not playing or is only you know fifty percent or seventy percent of what he normal D Hop is, just asking me who's the better team, I, I think it's the Rams. So do I think they're four points better? I pro I mean, I'm leaning towards just taking the points because I think it could be close. But I mean, I, I just have zero read, zero read on what this game is gonna look like. None, none at all. This, <laughs> this we're giving go really overtime. good content right now by the way take take this espn yeah talk about this game i don't know it's just <laughs> it's it'll happen and we'll see a look, result that's about that's about the best we can give you all right look kyler hasn't looked himself since he got hurt against green bay no right we can we can agree on that 100%. in both in both his mobility out of the out of the pocket and in passing the ball Frankly, he hasn't had that many people to pass the ball to. True. Uh, uh, AJ Green, I think, has been their best uh, wide receiver down as well, and Christian Kirk. But AJ Green has had uh, has had a, a really good stretch over the last few games. Um, I don't know what the Cardinals can do in the in the running game at all because Aaron Donald, who dominated both matchups against the Cardinals this year in the regular season, is going to be dominating that again. Um, unless you can find a way to use Chase Edmonds out of the backfield somehow. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know what you do in the run game to establish anything. Uh, and on the defensive side of the ball for the Cardinals last week, they made the, they made Rashad Penny look like Eric Dickerson. I mean, yeah. it, it was ridiculous. The, the Swiss cheese in the, uh, in the, in the running game that uh, you're going to get a little bit of a, of a running back room there too. For, for yeah. The Cardinals like, or for the, for the Rams, like you're going to get a little bit Is of cam Akers. Akers back. Yeah. He played like he played what last story. week. I mean, yeah that's we we were drooling over that on wednesday but like what a ridiculous story that was man yeah um but yeah even so, so you're gonna Darryl have... henderson sony michelle's been good when he's been in um yeah and, and odell's been awesome 
Yeah. Just yeah, and he's he's just making the plays that he needs to make. He's not trying to be superstar no. primo, primo. Now the Rams are one. the Rams are having some defensive health issues. Did you see who they signed out of retirement this week? No. Safety Eric Weddle. Oh wow. Oh he wow. Last, he last played in 2019 for the Rams Ravens. and then retired. Uh, no, for the Rams. <laughs> oh. He was on the Ravens and then uh, switched over to uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Switched over to the Rams for his last season. And I think that was the year they, yeah, it was the year they lost in the Super Bowl to the uh, Patriots. Um, and that's the last time we saw Eric Weddle. So two Super Bowls since then. Wow. Right. 2019. Has it been two? No, that was it the, 19. They that said was before he re- the, uh... they said he retired in 19. So I don't know if that's the 1920 season or the 1819 season. Cause if it's 1819 season, then that was Pat's Rams. No, it was the year after. I think it might have been that year. I think he retired that offseason. I think it's been two years. Huh. Let's see. Wow. Crazy. Stats and research. Real time here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like the Rams, though. They're going to have too much too much firepower on both sides of the ball. Than, uh, to, especially in the run game. Uh, when you got three three backs and two of them are change of pace. Um and then on top of that, they're both both of them are, are really athletic as well in Sony Michelle and uh, and Cam Akers. So um I, I I just like what they've what they've got rolling on both sides of the ball. Uh and so I'll take the ramps. Hmm. No, you were right. All right. So March eighth, two thousand nineteen, he signed a two year ten million dollar contract with the Rams. And then he retired on February sixth. 2020 which was the like the day chiefs, after the super bowl chiefs and san francisco game and yeah. now yeah he Boy, do i remember yesterday he has signed and will be uh are we going because jordan fuller who's the normal starting safety for the rams uh is is done for the rest of the year right. he's getting surgery on his um on his ankle but yeah unbelievable career for uh for eric weddle and uh cool to see him back i wonder what his beard looks like I wonder if he's got the big beard he was always a fun player to watch, man. Always really liked Eric Weddle. He was fly on the field, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He had he has over eleven hundred career tackles. That's wild. In like <laughs> I think he, in, in thirteen seasons, <laughs> that's impressive, man. Crazy. As a safety, he's averaging like eighty tackles a season. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. All right. So picks minus four. Who you got? Rams. <clears throat> I'm also on the Rams. Um. Yeah, I just. It's just who's the better team. I would not bet spread in this game. I mean, if you if you think the Cardinals are going to win, you might as well take the four points there too. But I think this is a money line bet game. Uh, and then the over-under is at 49 and a half. What do you got? Hammer in the over. Hammer in the I over. I know there's going to be points galore in this game. I'm also taking the over uh, in this game. So we're both on the Rams and both on the over. So to recap, uh, Scotty, you have Cincinnati covering five and the over. I have Vegas covering, um, but Cincinnati winning outright, and I have the over as well. You have the New England Patriots covering or uh, covering the four points, and I believe you said outright as well. Winning outright, yeah. And, and the, you have lock of the the cover or the under lock of the week. Yeah, the <laughs> under. The yeah, you have the yeah. Patriots under as your lock of the week. 
at 44. I am taking Buffalo to cover the four points, and I have the over, so we're in polar opposites there. Uh, we both have Philly covering the eight and a half, and we both have over 46. We both have San Francisco uh, my, uh, plus three and are under the 51 points. We both have Kansas City covering the 12 and a half. You have the over, I have the under, and then we're both on the Rams covering four and the over. Before we wrap, I have two questions for you. Who is your MVP? Who is your MVP? And then who actually is going to win the MVP? All right. I'm I'm sticking with it. It's Jonathan Taylor to me is my MVP. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, look, I know he wasn't on a playoff team. I, I could make the same argument for Cooper Cup, and you probably give him the edge there because he was on a playoff team, uh, a team that won their division no less. Uh, but 10 straight games over 100 yards. He found the end zone in all but, I think, three games this year. Uh, no, two, two or three. I, no, I can't remember off the top of my head. Just an absolute masterful performance. Uh, from, from Jonathan Taylor and, and you know you look at running backs you talk about their O-line and how good that makes them and yeah the Colts have one of the best offensive lines in the uh, in the league but Jonathan the things Jonathan Taylor does you could stick him on any team and he'd be good uh, so to me he's my MVP uh, who's going to win the MVP I think it, it would be crazy not to uh, not to bet on Tom Brady uh, another 5,000 plus yard season. Uh, I think in the last seven or eight games, he's thrown the ball an average of like 46 and a half times. Uh, and his completion percentage is still up, uh, up around 70. So like, uh, it's gotta be Tom Brady, uh, the way he led that team all year. Uh, there's been players in and out with injury, a couple of them down for the entire year. Uh, and so for as good as that, that defense uh, played last year, it's it's Tom keeping them in games this year uh, rather than the defense and letting Tom go do his thing, uh, as, as was the case last year. So I think it's Brady. Hey, you know what? That's uh, that is fair. Um, I, you know, I'm going to push back on the Jonathan Taylor thing. I mean, obviously, like he, uh, yeah, he, I know. he can't be the MVP. And the other thing, too, is he had a significantly worse season than Derrick Henry did last year. And. Where was this buzz for Derrick Henry? Isn't it wild, by the way? Uh, I think Derrick Henry, at the end of the year, uh, he went down in, what, week six, something like that? This year, and, yeah. And he was still top 10 in rushing yards yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah. That's crazy. I think, like, again, like I, we need to respect the year Jonathan Taylor had, 1,800 yards, monster season. Um, but it's just... He he can't be he he can't I mean he had an extra game than Derrick Henry did last year and he had two hundred less rushing yards he had an unbelievable season not taking anything away from it but it's impossible for there to be a case made that he actually deserves to win MVP no offense I get it he's your guy but it's just impossible and then um, look Brady's had a ridiculous year right forty three touchdowns fifty three hundred yards passing averaging three hundred and twelve yards a game. 102 QB, uh, 102 quarterback rating, 68.5 QBR, uh, up there with just behind Rodgers for the best in the league. Um, but Rodgers is my MVP. He's the best player on the best team. And he just the amount of attempts, right? 
So Rodgers had 4,100 passing yards, so 1,200 less than Brady. He had 37 touchdown passes to four interceptions. His QB rating was 111.9. His QBR is the highest in the league at 68.8. Um, ridiculous completing 70% of his passes, higher clip. And he threw almost 200 less attempts this year than Brady did. And I, I think to see the amount of production he got out of you know, and, and the production plus efficiency, and I get people aren't going to want to give him the award because of the COVID stuff and because of him as a person. But do you think that looking, should be brought up, though? Like, No, I don't think it's fair, but people are going yeah. to do it. You know, yeah. there, there's absolutely going to be people who don't vote, vote for him for that reason, and they can easily justify Tom Brady as being the guy that, you know, should get the votes. But Rodgers was so absurdly efficient this season and also wildly productive in the raw stats at the same time. He played 16 games. Tom Brady played 17. So Brady had the extra game that helped get him over that 5,300 yard mark. Um, and again, nothing to take away from Tom Brady. He should probably finish second, but Rodgers, like close your eyes. Who's the best player in the NFL right now? It's Aaron Rodgers. Gut reaction. That's who it is. So I, I just, you take anybody else off of that team and they are and replace them with, you know, Kirk Cousins, and they're probably an okay team. They're probably a pretty good team. You know, they're not the best team in football by a wide margin. And that's the difference Aaron Rodgers makes. And, and I think for that reason, he's, he's the MVP. And he also did it without a starting left tackle all year. He did it with an okay offensive line, an okay rushing defense and a, a rushing offense rather. And then a defense who has made some big Tommy plays, but for the most part, like they're a good defense. Like he's, this is what happens when you give Aaron Rodgers good defense. They're basically impossible to beat and they get Jair Alexander back too. So, yeah. I mean, when you make Alan Lazard into a, you know, 600 yard receiver, like there's only a handful of guys who are ever, ever able to do that. So, yeah. All right. That's all we got. That's the pod for today. Um, enjoy the football. Scotty, are you doing anything for wild card? Um, I don't know. I hadn't really planned it out. It's Thursday. We've got two more days. Mm -hmm. uh, well, like a, a full day. Well, it's Friday tomorrow when you're yeah. listening to this. So just a, a full day left, um, hopefully, uh, to think about that. And uh, I don't know. There's no Scott Hansen, which is a bummer. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Well, he's not dead. Uh, but I shed a little tear in week 18 this as he was signing off. His season yeah, is well, dead. R.I.P. <laughs> Uh, I'm staying. I'm standing by R.I.P. Scott Hansen. Okay. Good luck getting that hashtag going. That'll blow up the internet. Uh, uh, no, man, those rumors. I, I don't know what 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 I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have time uh, during the days to to get stuff done finally, and then go watch football on top of it. So I'm gonna feel really productive. There we go. Yeah, my ass will be on the couch, and uh, I'm gonna love every second of it. So um, basketball. Let's go. Yeah. Getting ready. Uh, before you know it, we'll be talking NBA on this pod. And uh, we'll and be tourney time, baby. <laughs> and tourney time. We're not that far away. It's crazy to think, but we are we are under two months, I believe, until um, definitely under two months till conference tournaments and everything kick up. So you blink and all of a sudden, boom, we're going to be in March Madness. We got the Masters, a lot of golf, already some serious golf content on this pod this year. I don't know why. I'm just feeling it, feeling it. The drive to survive. Uh, they're doing the PGA drive to survive. Yeah. I saw uh, that starting this year. <laughs> and the best part about it, 
DeChambeau is not on the list of players who are going to be featured in it. And it just makes my heart so happy that I can watch yeah, yeah, that, I don't without watch that. To, yeah. <laughs> without wanting to strangle a, a, a chubby polar bear like Bryson DeChambeau. Um, all right. We're done for real this time. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the wild card weekend and uh, win your bets. We gave you ours. Go ahead and try it out. See where you're at. And we'll talk to you guys. Recapping the whole thing. Tuesday. Playoffs? On the read option. <laughs> Take it easy, everybody.